Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, everybody. Hi. Recording live from somewhere. What's good, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Well, a day full of promise and excitement ended up as a total dud here in Winnipeg. The Jets didn't make a big splash on deadline day, and then they topped it all off with a very frustrating, disappointing loss to the lowly Ottawa Senators. We'll dive into all of that in just a second. But we gotta mention DraftKings here with basketball season beginning to wind down. Your chance to get in on the action is now at DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. So you can claim your free shot at millions of dollars in prizes when you use code THPN during sign-up. Remember, playing daily fantasy basketball is super simple. You just pick your lineup, you stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Every dunk, steal, assist, it means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. And hey, baseball fans, you might have missed out on season-long fantasy, so why not get in on the Daily Fantasy action with DraftKings? More ways to get a big payday and make it rain. So with DraftKings, again, payday comes every day for players, so what are you waiting for? Head to the app now, download the DraftKings app now, and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Alright, so we'll get to what ended up as a quiet day of work from Kevin Chevaldeoff and company at the deadline in just a bit, including what this means about this year's team and next year's team as well. But let's get to Monday night's game first. That might have been the least fun I've had watching the Jets this season. It was ugly, ugly performance Pretty much from the moment it actually went up to zip for Winnipeg, a 4-2 loss to the Ottawa Senators. I don't know if that was their worst game of the season. And, you know, honestly, they might have played worse against the Ottawa Senators. I mean, going back to one of the first couple games this season. But I don't know. That just felt like a real uninspiring performance from the club. 
And and some people made the connection that the Jets might be sending a message after not getting reinforcements at the deadline that this was the player's way of saying, you know, we're not happy with just one depth defenseman being brought in here. We wanted a little bit more help uh, to, to push us through in a playoff run. And to be honest, I think that's ridiculous. I'm not buying that one second. They just didn't play well. Like, it's that simple. And it happens too, right? But I'm not going to take this leap that last night's game was anything more than a bad one-night, one-off performance from some of the team's best players this year. I mean, if, you know, Connor Hellebuck, if the reigning Vesna winner doesn't give up two major softies, the conversation around the game could very well have been about how the Jets, you know, despite not having their A game, despite having their C game, found a way to get at least one point, maybe even two, and it's how resilient they are and blah, 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 blah. But Connor Hellebeck does give up those two, and it kind of changes the entire complexion of the game. And they are awful goals to let in as well, right? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, Hellebuck would love the Connor Brown shot back, as, as well as the eventual game winner, clearly. But the Jets were also really brutal when it came to what they were giving up as well. And it, it wasn't, you know, quantity for a change. It was purely the quality. I mean, there had to have been, what, five breakaways in the second period alone? And then you have Brady Kachuk scoring the final goal of the game on another one in the third? A handful of two-on-ones as well. I mean, some of those breakaways and, and odd man rushes happening with the Senators shorthanded. I mean, it was just sloppy play, pretty much, like I mentioned earlier, once the Jets went up to nothing, It's like that was the worst thing they could have done in that game, or at the very least, you know, they failed to make it 3 nothing and, and fully put an end to it. So it was, look, an uncharacteristically poor performance from Connor Hellebuck, and he said so after the game, you know, basically taking all the blame for it. But I would say the same also applies to, and, and we're fans of him here, but the same applies to Nikolai Ehlers. I think the second and third periods might have been his two worst periods of the season. And it's funny, even on a bad night for Ehlers, you still get a bit of a highlight reel goal to go on top of it. That's the year he's having. But man, was there ever some rough, rough decision making from Ehlers in that one. I mean, hey, you got to give your skilled players a little leeway to make some plays. But that was, I mean, some of the turnovers and some of the passes Nikki was trying to pull off. They just had no business being thrown out there. So it was, it was, I thought, a rough game for him. And to be honest, the, the second line as a whole wasn't all that impressive either. And I'm not going to be surprised if we do see a shakeup either by the next game against the Sens, maybe against Toronto, or at, I mean, at the very least, obviously, when Blake Wheeler returns to the lineup. But I don't think what you saw from Ehlers, Dubois, and Stasty in that one is, is going to make Paul Marie super comfortable with rolling with that trio for the time being. And in all honesty, the, the continued search for who best Suits up with Pierre-Luc Dubois, that continues. I don't know if you've gotten any closer either to figuring out who his two best wingers are going to be as we head into this stretch run here. Maybe it's Blake Wheeler. And hey, either way, we're going to get an answer on, on where Blake Wheeler is going to be when he returns to the lineup. And thankfully, it's looking like it's going to be sooner rather than later. Great news for the team. Uh, if you missed it, Wheeler's skating for a second straight day, so... I mean, at the very least, when he gets back, and this was something that even though they got a goal yesterday, pretty evident that they missed the captain for, but the power play is going to get a boost as well. I mean, a lot of shots against Ottawa, 
and an absolute beauty snipe by the Colonel himself, Cal Connor. But it's evident, even with the chances they generated, that the power play needs a little more playmaking on that top unit from the Wheeler spot below the goal line. So, other than that, <laughs> not a lot of positives from the game in Ottawa. I mean, the best on-ice part for the Jets organization as a whole Monday was the Cole Perfetti toe drag and snipe for the Manitoba Moose. Don't look now, but nine points in the last six games for Cole Perfetti. The kid's starting to heat up a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to be joining the team for the stretch run. I don't think that's in the cards for him. Not a whole lot of open spots for Cole Perfetti, but at the very least... It, it, it's crazy that he's able to do what he's doing right now as, you know, an 18-slash-19-year-old. Nobody really gets the chance to, to play in the AHL at that age in North America here, at least. And he has taken full advantage of it. And if anybody wanted to slow the hype drain down on Cole Perfetti and, and maybe even Vili Hainala as well, no reason. Those kids have given no reason to slow that down. So, hey, I got to find one bright spot for you there. It wasn't with the big club. But the Baby Jets at least had it going a little bit last night. So that was actually the second slice of disappointment the Winnipeg Jets were handed on Monday. You know, the first, and, and we'll get into this here, but I know a lot of fans obviously were excited for trade deadline day. Obviously, I mean, fans want to see their teams make moves, you know, regardless of if they are sound or not. You know what I mean? Like, you just want excitement. And, and I, I totally get that. But no big splash made by the Jets at the deadline. Despite the Ekholm chatter, despite, you know, Jamie Alexiak beat a name thrown out there late, and, and despite the maybe pie-in-the-sky idea of Josh Manson out there in Anaheim, all the big-name blue liners stayed put, and Chevy, of course, forced into only adding a depth defenseman, Jordy Ben from Vancouver, coming over for a six-round pick. So, look, I know a lot of fans were upset that there wasn't a bigger move to be made by Kevin Chevalier. Whether or not it was there, right? Like, people wanted... I mean, it's clear the blue line needs help. And realistically, not a lot of help was given to the Winnipeg Jets on, on Monday. So I, I get the frustration. Here's my thoughts on, on the deadline and the movement or lack thereof. To sum it up, unfortunate, but not the end of the world. And look, Kevin Shevoldayov didn't make it a secret either. He was eager and willing to move his first round pick for the right defenseman. But no other team was willing to make that available for Kevin Chevaldeoff. And we're going to get Frank Saravalli on uh, next week on uh, Tuesday's episode. So he's going to be on a week from today. He's going to discuss how close the Jets were in grabbing a big name guy, what the price was on a Manson, on an Ekholm, all that. So we'll get a little bit more of a clarification on, on what was open for Kevin Chevaldeoff on trade deadline day coming up next week. But look, at the, at the very least, Chevy didn't panic. You know, make a panic move and give up a first for a guy that didn't fit the bill. You know, Jimmy Alexia comes to mind, for example. And, I mean, in a major way, he didn't panic and throw in a, a Vili Hainala or a Dylan Sandberg to get a guy for this year as well. You know, possibly Matthias Ekholm out of Nashville. So, I get that it's underwhelming. You know, with all the talk about how aggressive the Jets were going to be and, and they were going to get one, maybe two blue liners and, and somebody else as well. I can understand some frustration from the fan base on that one. But there's not a whole lot that can be done if the right guys just weren't out there this year. You know, it wasn't a great market for Blue... It wasn't a great market for anybody, really. I mean, outside of trying to get Taylor Hall for peanuts 
at the deadline, there there weren't a whole lot of big names that were really available. And I mean, it was kind of underwhelming as a whole across the league, you know, basically until the Red Wings and Capitals decided to blow it all up. And you had that big Mantha Verana blockbuster, which I love to see. I don't know who won or who lost the trade, but it's nice to see some of those just pure hockey moves where a team likes a guy and, and they make a move like that. But I mean, having said that, pushing that aside for a second, the lack of a first round pick being traded, the lack of really anything of, of value being traded by the Winnipeg Jets, it sets up for a really intriguing offseason, as usual in these parts. Chevy still has all his assets at his disposal. I'm not going to be shocked if a big move is made, and I don't think you should be either. And that first round pick that is in the holster right now ultimately does end up getting moved and dealt for some help on the blue line anyways, along with maybe a, a prospect or two. For, for a big-name guy, so keep that in mind here as we move forward. It sucks for this season, at least, that a reinforcement isn't coming in, but I'm not going to be surprised one bit. And well, Again, we'll talk to Frank Saravalli from TSN about this next week, that we see Kevin Chevalier make a move for what looks to be a much more pivotal year next season with everything getting, hopefully, back to normal. Now, for me, the most interesting part, the thing that I picked up from deadline day wasn't a move, wasn't anything from the game against the Senators, but it was actually something that Kevin Chevalier said when he met with the media at around 4 p.m. Central Time. If you haven't heard, this was Chevy's response when asked, and I'll paraphrase a bit here, but if he feels like his blue line is good enough moving forward this season, and maybe that's why a deadline deal wasn't made. Well, I think that, uh, you know, somebody that I'd like to see uh, at some point in time here as well is Billy Hainola uh, get an opportunity to, uh, um, you know, to show where he does fit. So we think we have, uh, you know, some some depth within the organization that, um, you know, is, is a little more than, than maybe what, uh, you know, some other people might think. Now, I don't know about you guys, but two things pop out at me pretty quickly there. One, and, and maybe the most obvious Management is clearly very high on Vili Hainala. They think he could be an impact player, potentially, this season. But two, and and way more intriguingly, didn't that sound like maybe a bit of a disconnect between coach and GM? Like Kevin Chevalier saying, hopefully he gets into the lineup, right? Like you're the GM, shouldn't... shouldn't the GM and the coach be in agreement if you think he's ready to go, that he should be in the lineup? Sounds to me like Chevy thinks the kid's ready, but maybe Paul Maurice isn't willing to throw him in just yet. So that's something certainly to keep an eye on moving forward, if that's the case. Maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it there. But I think everyone, hey, look, Jets fans, everybody outside the organization, and, and whether you're a fan of management and coaching or not, but I think we'd all love to see Vili, Vili Hainala get a run of games to see if he can make an impact this season. And look, to me, and I think that's the move to make, I don't know whether you put him with Josh Morrissey. I still wouldn't mind you know, seeing that. Or or maybe you give Logan Stanley the night off and, and get Vili Hainala a chance beside Dylan DeMello. But I, don't, I just don't see why it hurts you at all, really. Like the Jets are kind of locked into realistically either the second or the third spot in the North Division. And look, if he's not ready, he's not ready. You gave him a shot, and then you throw him back to the moose, and he plays 20-plus minutes a night there and, and gets a chance in all different kinds of situations and becomes a better player for next season. But to me, there is a chance 
I don't know how big or small that is, but there is a chance that Handela could step in and really be a difference maker for a team that sure as hell needs it on the back end. I mean, you've heard me talk more than enough times how much I think this team needs, you know, never mind a puck moving presence, but an electric and a dynamic one at that. You know, I, I joined Hustler and, and Remus on, on Winnipeg Sports Talk and, and mentioned this a couple times. We, we've seen defensemen recently step in, you know, never mind regular season NHL minutes, but playoff time, and, and they've had some success right off the bat. I'm not saying he's going to be Kale McCarr and jump right in and, and possibly be, you know, the Jets' best defenseman either later this season or during a playoff run. I don't know if there's too many guys that will ever do what Kale McCarr did, but why couldn't Vili Handela come in and, and give a, a decent-sized boost, right? Maybe instead of Kale McCarr, why not Sam Girard, right? You know, similar players, similar builds, that sort of a thing. And, and he's having a heck of a season. I mean, who isn't in Colorado? But Gerard's been just a revelation this year, right? So I, I would just love to see him get a chance. That's kind of it, right? It would just suck if, if Billy Hainala isn't even given that opportunity. So, and, and I mean given that without injury, right? Just give him a shot. Give him, hey, even if it's just a week and you get three or four games in. That would be something that I know a lot of Jets Nation would be super excited about. And I'll tell you what, if, if they were upset about the work not done at the deadline, if Hadela got a shot on this decor, I think a lot of people would forgive Kevin Day out for that pretty quickly. So hopefully we see the Finn get a shot sometime soon. In the meantime, Jordy Ben, the depth edition. I mean, there's not really a whole lot to get into. You kind of know what he is at this point in his career. Barring injury, I don't think he's going to get into the lineup. But for a six-round pick, the cost is minimal. And at the very least, you have an NHLer in your organization in case this team gets bit by the injury bug, which they have in the past. But that's about it in terms of what the Jets did. Quickly looking around the North, you know, a couple moves made by some of the other teams. Montreal picking up, again, a depth defenseman. Edmonton does as well, grabbing former Jet Dmitry Kulikov for a conditional fourth. I like that move. I think it's a sneaky, solid move by the Oilers. I, I imagine Kulikov probably goes on their third pairing there. Maybe I'm wrong, but he's been solid for, you know, this season for the Devils. And and I thought it went under the radar in his final season with Winnipeg, just how well he played at times with Neil Pionk throughout last season and even going into the bubble there. So I like, a you know, a bit of a sneaky pickup by Edmonton there. Toronto was the big one, obviously, going all in. We know the moves, giving up that first round pick for Felino and Columbus and then grabbing Dave Riddich from Calgary amongst a couple other minor moves. I, I guess if we're just taking a look at the North now, after all the dust has settled, to me, I think it's fair to say Toronto has separated themselves from the rest of the pack in the North. They're the clear favorites. I think they have to be to come out of the division. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think they are shoe-ins to do so. I think they're favored against Edmonton, Toronto, and even, I mean, even obviously Montreal as well. But I think Edmonton for sure could be Toronto in a seven-game series. I think even Winnipeg, despite being, I would imagine, pretty heavy underdogs in that matchup, I think Winnipeg for sure could take down Toronto in a seven-game series. They've had some great games so far this year. But I just think they've elevated themselves a little bit. Even without Felino, right? They were probably... Pretty pretty heavy odds on favorites to come out of the division. I think Toronto's done so even more now. And I'm intrigued to see what that mix is going to be like come playoff time. A lot of, 
I don't know if you've seen Ogwax, Old Guys Without a Cup. You got Spezza and Thornton, and now Felino joins the mix. It's an interesting group. It's an interesting mix they have up front there in Toronto. And obviously, all the pressure in the world is going to be on them, where I don't even think it's enough for them to win one series. They're going to need to come out of the North Division for basically everybody to have a chance to come back and have a job there next season. But it does look like it's going to end up being Oilers-Jets in round one, barring a collapse from Edmonton-Winnipeg or a a meteoric rise of the standings from Montreal. If that's the case, right now, that's got to be a coin flip for me. I don't I don't know. And hey, if I'm wrong and you guys see it a different way, again, let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or at the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Let me know who you think would be favored in that matchup. I don't I don't know right now. That might be one of those ones come playoff time where it's it's going seven games and then you just you flip a coin, and if it lands on heads, you go with the Jets. You know what I mean? It's going to be tight, and they've played outstanding games. That would be a great, great series to watch. So we'll see what the last dozen or so games have in store for both of those clubs. Either way, I'm jacked. Like, I'm full-on in bring-on-the-playoffs mode, and it's pretty crazy that we're not that far away, right? Pretty much a month away from the postseason getting underway. So I'm jacked. And I think everybody here in Winnipeg is is looking, you know, they've got an eye ahead, even with a, a home playoff matchup up for grabs against Edmonton in the standings. I think people are, are ready to go. Let's get the let's get the real season started here. Well, that does it for us. A nice quick one for you guys on your ride home to work, hopefully, or your ride back home from work as well. Another episode of Skates and Plates is in the books. We're back at it on Friday with a busy one to get into. Two games, one more against Ottawa Wednesday, and then a big-time showdown against the Maple Leafs the following night. Maybe Foligno makes his Toronto debut in that one. So we'll get into both of those, plus a one-of-a-kind interview for you guys. I'm, I'm so excited to see what your reaction is going to be. We have, I think, our biggest personality joined the show yet. You might have seen her compete on Wall of Chefs. Or you might have stopped down in the Archibald area. Miss Christine of Miss Christine's Kitchen stopped by to talk all about her Jamaican specialties. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you guys. But let's just say the beat button got a major workout in this one. So you don't want to miss it. Actually, it's funny. When I when I upload the podcast, I have an option in, in one of the pull-down menus of what the episode is going to be like, and you can leave it vague, it can be clean or explicit. Hammered the explicit one for this one. She's an absolute blast to talk to. She's got an amazing story. So if you love Jamaican food or you want to learn more about it, you're not going to want to miss this one. If you just love hearing awesome people go on and on about whatever's on their mind, then this one is certainly for you as well. But again, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates. On the Hockey Podcast Network, we're back on Friday, guys. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. Peace.